You're listening to Songs in a Strange Land, foraging in the landscape of faith, culture and creativity. So, should we start by saying welcome again to Songs in a Strange Land? Um, it's a, a bit of a different one. Well, we're in a strange land. We are in a strange land. It's different for us because we're recording from Riding Lights Summer Theatre School. Yeah. Um, so I, it's not quite a far strange land. I, no. It's like 20 minutes away from York. But, yeah, uh, 20 minutes down there. To be fair, we, so we're in a very beautiful public girl, not public, private girls' school. Private girls. Um, and yeah, it, the, the atmosphere and the kind of decor feels like a strange land to me yeah. having grown up in state secondary yeah. school where everything's a little bit grubby yeah. you don't have things like a swimming pool on site yes. and the, the budget that they have to to kit out a whole theater which i've been technicianing in um is, is it's for a small african country no doubt but it's yeah it's amazing amazing facilities yeah, yeah. yeah it's a so. great place to to be yeah. um and I think, as we've said before, so we've both had a connection with Riding Lights one way or another. I currently work for them as their marketing and communications person. And then you've done technical stuff on the summer school for yeah. a number of years I've, now. I, yeah, the first time I came in contact with Riding Lights was, I counted, was 11 years. So I've been to, I've been to 10 summer schools, uh, three of which as a participant and paid to come, uh, which were great. And then seven as a technician with a gap to get married, one year off to get yeah. married. I think they've they let you have that yeah, one they off. left me have that one off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's but both of us have had long standing. Because when did you come? When did you get in touch with Riding Lights? Twelve must be twelve years. You were a year before me. Yeah, for this particular summer school, I think so. I mean, my dad and I think my sister, who is also your wife, just to add the ridiculous <laughs> number of connections, um, had possibly been the year before. Right. Um, so yes, it'd be about 10, 11 so years ago. So you didn't ago. come to, to that, that first year with them? I don't think I did. It feels a bit like it's back in the mists of time yeah. and the mists of my teenage life <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. But so do you the, remember what, what first brought you to summer school? Um, do you remember what kind of... I think probably because Sarah really enjoyed it and my dad had really enjoyed it. Um, and it just, yeah, it had a real... They came back clearly excited about the week and something that was really special for them. I might have been along to the performances, actually, at the end of the week mm. that they'd done. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? I think even mum might have come along that very first year because yeah. my dad was invited to be the chaplain for that on that year. And I think they invited mum along to come and do a course <laughs> as well. Um, so she did giant leaps. Yeah. And yeah, like she's great, but she she didn't really get on with it. No. Performing is not her thing. Yeah. And actually, I think she was great as far as I can remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that is the great thing about summer school is that at the end, all the courses do these performances um, or sharings because sometimes there's writers groups and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and actually, you get all skill sets and all you know giftings, you know people who are not great performers still get up, give it a go. And actually something about this summer school, this week of being together with some regulars and some new people, actually by the end of it, everyone is genuinely supportive of whatever, you know, you just have to stand up and you get a clap. (laughs) Yeah. I remember Ian, the chaplain, was saying um, that, you know, oh, 
this this place is the easiest place to get a round of applause. You don't have to do anything, and people just give you a round of applause. And at lunchtime, when people stand up and sing a song or something, everyone just round of applause, yeah. even if it wasn't any good, yeah. just to encourage. Yeah. Well, that happened at, at lunchtime. So actually, Rob stood up um, and got a huge round of applause, and then proceeded to pronounce, could the owner of a white Fiesta with registration <laughs> number... Blah, 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 please move the car, it's blocking security. But he still got just as much appreciation yeah. as anyone else. Well done for saying <laughs> Well done for telling us. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, a wonderfully supportive community. Yeah. Um, I wonder, actually, it's probably worth just giving you a very quick sketch for how the, the week pans out, yeah. just so we can talk about it and hopefully give you an idea of of how it all fits together. So it's... Um, from eight, a participant's point of view. Yeah, for, yeah, if you were coming along on the yeah. course... It's about eight eight days long, kind of Saturday to Saturday. It's a week long. There's usually about six or seven courses running, um, and they're kind of there'll be a couple of courses for young people. So recently, there's been a kind of musical in a week course, and then a devising a show in a week. So that's a, a show where they they come with lots of the directors will have lots of ideas and exercises and subjects they want to explore, but the the script and the movement and the the actual meat of the play is, is really made during the week um, and then there's a similar there's kind of a university student's age kind of early 20s course which is sort of devised but that I think does have a bit less structure to it that's the one course I, I've never done anything of myself so I know yeah, it was about it was started about five years ago now and there was um there was a hope that it would kind of be a training ground for um riding lights roughshod company which do kind of sketches some pre-written some kind of personal story so it was a sort of roughshod theatre company in a week um, thing but it's yeah um so some people would write personal stories and they would bring out some old riding like sketches and um yeah so they've got and they bring out some old riding like sketches and uh but it's changed now and it's much more devised and and yeah. often tries to be a bit more experimental, so yeah. something promenade based often and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then the then there's two kind of adult courses in eighteen up to eighty plus. Um, and again, there's a scripted piece which is often like a classic play that's put on a week. And again, a devised piece which often takes slightly different shapes. So yeah. this year they're looking at doing a radio play. Um, that's been devised, but all with kind of live music, live sound effects, so it's performed. Mm. But previous years, they've incorporated music yeah. or, or done something. And there's also straight. a third adult course, which is often a writer's course. So it has been for a number of years a sort of telling your personal story, digital storytelling, you know, how to record and take photos and do voiceover stuff. Um, but this year, it's been taken on by some playwrights um in-house playwrights and um and they're kind of just guiding people through the writing process most of them most of the participants are, are writing scripts but um there's one or two that are writing just prose narrative um and that will be shared at the end either as a rehearsed reading or i don't know yeah wait and see. yeah we'll <laughs> see what they come up with um yeah. yeah, and I think what's really great actually about that breadth of skill-based breadth of background breadth of ages 
is you do, as you said, you get a real mix of some people having a go, some people who are looking at going to drama school, some people are very talented musicians, some people are very talented dancers, and there's a real cross-pollination of ideas and creativity um, and support that comes from within that, and that all leads to a, a performance at some point yeah. at the end of the week. I think sort of, I mean, the rehearsal process is a is a really powerful process, and I'm I'd always say that's a place where community's really grown mm. um, because of the vulnerability that's needed in it. But outside of the rehearsal process during the week, there are lots of events and opportunities to come together. We eat together um, at set times. Um, there's also kind of social time in the evening. There's a bar where people can chat and cross-pollinate across the groups. They, they do workshops, um, different, which are, again snippets of skill sets um so this year we've had we, we you and i did a marketing um workshop um others do mime and puppets and mask and it's like an hour and a half two hours just to try something and to do a kind of beginner's guide to whatever it yeah. is we had meisner technique and media dell'arte this year as yeah. well as crazy things through to kind of um, there's a corpus symphonica which is a kind of using your body to create different sounds kind of workshop yeah. there but it's all it's kind of light-hearted and fun and hopefully pretty quickly people realize you can kind of make a fool of yourself and try stuff out and that's all part of the fun it's all nice and safe yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and there's performances most evenings various kinds so um, Roughshod Theatre Company, part of Riding Lights, perform their tour. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of final date on their tour. Um, but then we also sometimes get outside theatre companies in or performers um, to come and share something or Riding Lights present something of a new play or some, I don't know, lots yeah. of different things go on in the evening. Again, just that sense of reminding people really that they're working with professionals, people who you know, are, are very experienced in what they do so that, you know, when they get into the rehearsal room, there's a sense of this isn't just anyone, this is someone who, who's done this and knows what they're talking about and actually I'm, I'm getting a chance to work with them. And that's, mm. that's really encouraging, particularly for those young people who want to go to drama school to kind of having worked with Yvonne Morley, one of the best voice coaches in the country at the moment. You know, that's something really, really great and skills yeah. that one. I'll stay with them. Yeah, I think actually one of the things I really wanted us to talk about and I think is quite unique comes from that, that professional environment. So um, the week it's because Riding Lights has got a Christian ethos as a company. The week also has kind of moments of faith and often the theme for the week will be one that you can take either a social angle or a, a political angle or a... Um, uh, kind of a dramatic angle on, but also a faith approach to it as well. Mm. So there's those moments scattered throughout the week, and um, including a, a Sunday service. And actually, some of those services have been really interesting and really unique because they're able to bring together kind of um, kind of people, very creative brains, people working in theatre professionally, people doing that and also people working in church professionally for want of a better mm. word and to kind of try and create a, a service which really uses drama mm. and theatre as part of it 
and not just they'll perform a sketch as the Bible reading kind of territory, but some really interesting things like kind of dressing the the theatre space in a way. So this year we had various protest placards up, which were turned round, and then two of the big banners were kind of midway through the service were ripped down and became the cloth of the communion table. Mm. So things like that, really trying to use the space and use elements of performance to help people enter into the worship yeah. and to kind of supplement And a real, I think one of the... Because trying to put your finger on what makes that different from normal church, aside from a desire to explore theme, it's about creating an atmosphere. Mm. You know, most of the work and most of the memorable things are visual things which as you say, dress the theatre in a, in a way which will have a striking image which will, which will encourage meditation, reflection on a particular theme, things that people will remember and take away with them. Um, and then the talk, often done by the chaplain, um, very creative, again, just really clever use of imagery or tying in more kind of creative elements, you know, English literature or plays or, or you know, popular theatre um, plays and bringing in themes that, you know, those playwrights work with um, and and and, use, and seeing the gospel, um, seeing it through the eyes of the gospel. Um, really powerful prayer activities. That That's exciting because people take that away and it lives with them a little longer than, you know, the everyday. It's a... It, there's time spent to making an atmosphere where people enter into it and know that there's expectation that something's going to happen. Um, and that's, I think, something that lacks in church, is that expectation that something's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas if you enter into the worship services here, it's like going to a performance. You are expectant that something's going to happen, that you're going to remember something, mm. something striking. Um because it's set up like a theatre show, so that that boundary. But you know, you enter in as a and as an audience member, and then you find yourself participating. Yeah. Because you're expectant. Yeah, I think all the the signposts as part of the environment, of part of because it has a kind of lighting, are pointing you towards what's going on on stage. And I guess you're ready to look for symbols much mm. more when you when you go and watch a play. You know those little moments can really make something of the play. You're you're tuned into the visual yeah. very much, um, and are trying to spot those telltale signs that demonstrate a character or that represent the conflict at the centre of the play in one moment. You and I had that conversation with another of the participants this week about I can't remember what phrase he used. Items of desire, but essentially in improv, improvisational theatre is at the beginning of a scene you will lay out lots of items and you'll do lots of things and the joy is to try and reincorporate them at the end mm. and these things which you thought were meaningless actually find meaning by the end and actually are, are the thing that brings satisfaction and, and that's the sort of symbolic thing you were talking yeah. about is that you're, you're, you're tuned into that, you're expectant of seeing everything on stage is there for a purpose whereas actually from Sunday to Sunday... It's, it's very difficult to do that and to sustain that. Yeah. Um, but each Sunday, there's, you get used to looking at all the items and all the th- symbols, so actually they sort of lose their, yeah. their power. Yeah, I think 
That's that's. I think that's a question that would be a really good one to ask. Is what what can we learn that you could take then into a normal Sunday service? Because this is quite a you know, it's a unique environment, but it it can work because it's one very intense week. Mm. Um, the one thing I did want to mention before I asked that question, that that idea of reincorporating just reminded me of one of my favourite illustrations that had been done at one of those Sunday services. The one where it was a week looking at, I can't remember the theme, but it was kind of creation and Genesis related on the Sunday service. And there was this kind of hat stand with kind of fake foliage on and bunches of grapes. And those grapes were used as the the fruit in the Garden of Eden. So rather than the usual apple, these were these were black and um, I think black grapes. Mm. I can't remember exactly. Um, but they were used as that illustration and set up as that. But then as the service went on, those two images of fruit got crushed and kind of stuck in a blender and turned into grape juice. And that grape juice was then used at communion. And actually that's... What I love about that is it's not just a tidy image. Actually, it's exploring something, a great swathe of theology in terms mm. of the the seeds of Jesus coming and being a saving plan for the whole of creation were there right at the start. And you get that in Genesis. You get that when um, Eve is kind of wondering if one day there'll be a man who can save them mm. from the trouble that they've had. And it was a, a really great image to, to capture that whole yeah. suite. And it, and it finished, I remember it, and it finished with the tree in Revelation. So you get the mm. vast swathe of scripture with this tree at the beginning, the fruit being taken off, we got right at the, the the pinnacle of Christ at the table, um, using that that sin and you know kind of creating a new covenant, new promise with the people, and then finishing with this tree, which stands in the centre of the tree of life. That was yeah, yeah, and, and that you... sort of th- that sort of storytelling, really thought out structure, part of that worship service structure, leads you through some deep theology but through story yeah. yeah and i think by giving that symbol what it does actually is you if i look at a classical romantic or kind of uh, kind of renaissance picture of adam and eve garden evil tree apple there actually in my head sometimes i'm reminded of that grape juice moment mm-hmm. and actually that apple then comes to have more significant I kind of supplant the grapes in in my head and actually it reminds me not just of that a symbol of the Genesis story but a symbol of the whole of that biblical Mm. narrative from Genesis to Revelation Mm. and I think yeah theatres kind of planting those symbols which you then hang bigger ideas on can be really powerful Mm. Um, so the question then is how how can we, what can we learn from that? How can we incorporate that into a Sunday service where you are in a very familiar environment, where you are looking at the same banners or the same stained glass window? There's nothing to shake you up a bit and get you thinking and yeah. seeing with fresh eyes. Yeah, I think, I don't necessarily think it's about resources. Mm. I think it's about, I think it's going back down to that expectation really about how do you create a community of people who, when they get together, are expectant to hear something or see something or 
or encourage one another to find that story, to find that those symbols. Um, and and I think then it's a matter of, you know, if a community is expectant, then they'll look and they can see or they'll bring stuff and they'll encourage one another to do it. Because one of the things that I've learned from the years of coming here is once you see it done and you see it done well, it's that's sort of easier for you to start doing mm. it yourself. Um and so those Sundays, it's, you know, right at the beginning of the week or pretty much at the beginning of the week. And and from that moment on, people are sort of listening out for for words and how they're linking because that's what you've done in the service. Or looking for those images which are highlighted and brought out and gone, look, these images together, what do you think? That's interesting. And it for some, it might not happen just then. But then later on, that they they come up, you know, with with those images and and images that stay with you, and and will have a resonance in the real world. Um, so I think if you wanting to do it week by week, you have to start with the people mm. coming, sort of expecting to either hear story and find symbol. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and then to do likewise as a community. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I I completely agree with that. I I wonder if you're thinking that's that's a lovely idea, but yeah. not. But how do we even begin to to do that? Cause actually, there's an element of teaching people and learning yourself to mm. see symbol and stuff. And I guess the the practical thing I wonder is actually how useful it is to get your service leaders talking to one another. So your your preacher, your worship leader, your person who's leading the service and getting a good dialogue about what you want to do with that service um, so that if the preacher's got a thing that they they really want to talk about, that actually the, the service leader and the worship leader know about it. Is there an introduction to the service which can set up the central image or the central point ready for the um the preacher and that can where you can choose worship songs which link into that yeah i think um, there's um just because i lead services on a regular basis and i'm sort of responsible for those um again it's yeah which comes first chicken or the egg mm. situation here but um I think you're absolutely right. It does take that sort of conversation with your service leaders and your preachers to say, is there creative imagery that you need? But you still need to teach them, which mm. is fine. That can be encouraged. And therefore it needs to be modelled. But in order to model it, and I hate to be a bit of a cynic, particularly with the Anglican Church, but again, it requires a group of people who are going to give you freedom to do that and I remember some of the early stuff in my current church the early stuff when I was going in trying to do creative things doing these sort of symbolic stuff exploration of symbol and exploration of theme um, and it takes a lot of time for people to break down their defenses of why why did you do that I didn't get it you know mm. I don't get it and so it's it's pointless um, 
But the reason that they didn't is because they didn't engage because they weren't expecting to engage and you sort of needed to pre-warn them that something was happening so that they came with an open mind rather than why is he doing this different thing and that's all they've got they're seeing it through the filter of why is he doing this weird thing yeah um so you kind of need you, you need to have both you need to have training for service leaders and preachers to do it on a regular basis in order for the people to be expectant mm. but you also need an i don't know something in there about freedom or permission to do that um the space to do it um and i, I guess it's just repetition yeah. and being bold enough to and uh, and being courageous enough to just keep doing it even despite them not getting it and going just keep trying keep keep trying to engage yeah i guess doing it yeah gently in a way that, yeah yeah leads I, them into it yeah yeah it strikes me it's so odd isn't it because christmas and easter if you're kind of in the, as the the two festivals which most of the church still kind of keeps as very important um obviously other traditions go recognize a lot more regularly um but we we really do come expectant and understanding symbols there so you know if you put a, an empty manger at the start of us of a, a crib service or a christmas service and you know maybe manage to unscrew a few light bulbs and set mm-hmm. some atmosphere or even just get get some candles out people understand that people understand yeah. that you're saying we're waiting for a baby. We're waiting mm. for um, a savior, or, or something new, something mm. to change mm. history. And for for Israel, they were waiting for something to change their history. And for us now, we're waiting for mm. the return of Christ to change history. And people get that language. It's it's there, mm. but yeah, they Christmas and Easter they come ready for that. But on but on a on normal regular... Sunday. Yeah, ordinary yeah. time. Oh, it's a long and tedious season. <laughs> it was a prophetic name when yeah. it was chosen, wasn't it? Ordinary, otherwise known as boring time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's really and and with this week, you know, there'll be people who go to church regularly, and actually, if they did, if they did something like we did on a Sunday, um, I'm sure there would be that they themselves might just, I don't know if it would get tiring doing it every week at that level. I'm sure at that level, probably. Mm. But um, I think it would exhaust yeah. anyone here as well, including yeah. the very creative people. You know, these, yeah. But again, we, they come can... to summer school with that high expectation that they are going to see something that's, that's ingenious in terms of its kind of creativity as well as really clever. Um, that's going to stretch them. That's going to test them. And it's it's like all these summer festivals and things. You you go expectant to have God speak in a really powerful way, um, and and yet we should have that every Sunday. Mm. We don't. None of us do, and that's okay. Um, but we need to find more regular times, more than once a year, to enter into time with other Christians where you explore deeply symbolic ways in which God speaks to us mm. and taps into that thing that we do when we go to theatre, when we, when we go and see good theatre, is that thing of, actually, I'm going to leave this changed. I'm going to leave this with a new vision or a new perspective. Mm. Um, that should be our aim yeah. in church, I think.
Yeah, it's really interesting. The the evening service that I've been helping lead worship at, really. I have a worrying feeling whether I've talked about this on the podcast or not. If I have, I will just say it again because it's relevant. Um, I've maybe just had this conversation with a few people. Um, that evening service is... It's not showy, it's not flashy, and it's it's often, you know, a very small number attending, you know, kind of maybe less than 10 people. So it's not, there's nothing big about it. But what what we've I've been discovering over the past year or so is actually that gradual growing of expectancy and a readiness to come and worship. So when I was leading worship in a, a much bigger church, kind of, kind of big, Anglican, charismatic kind of place it's often the conversation with the worship leaders was just that you know it takes four songs before anyone feels like they're they've even turned up people took a lot of legwork to get them worshiping and not just singing loudly but actually feeling like it's it's a weird thing to measure but Mm. sometimes you can do it as a, a worship leader just whether it feels like people are going with you and are are listening to what's going on in the service and are starting to be expectant that God might be doing something. And actually this little evening service, it's gradually taking less legwork to get people there, you know, in that it can be two songs and people are ready to maybe start singing their own words to something in a, or start ready to taking some space out or choose moments of scripture to speak out and they're they're all very much signs of of stuff going on you know they're it's not that once someone's singing out their own words then we know we're off Mm -hmm. it's they're just they're kind of they're just little crackles of things happening around the edges um and it's been really interesting It, it has been a very intentional desire to to make that service one where People are expected to come. There's no pressure. It's really informal. But actually, there'll be space to listen to God. There'll be space to share stuff and therefore be expectant that God will use that. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's kind of a little bit revived what my approach to worship leading mm. and my what was a little bit cynical in some ways. And again, it feels like there's, I now feel like there's a space to use songs which before I'd have thought, well, there's just no content here. It's all just Jesus, I love you and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Whereas before is in a bit of a place of, that's all we sing. We never sing anything with real mm-hmm. substance to it. Actually, I'm kind of rediscovering a space where if you've worshipped and it feels like it's the right time and people are starting to engage with God, then actually something which is simple and repetitive and gives people space is the right type of thing to lead worship with. But you can't use those songs just to kind of push people and go, right, you're going to be intimate now. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, I think there's, uh, maybe to finish off, coming back to the summer school, with that sort of connection, with whatever it is, the worship, sung worship, the the prayer activity, which is always sort of multi-sensory. There's always a creative thing to get up and do Mm. um, and to participate in collectively. That's really important. You come and you build something, the amount of times you've built an altar using something and, um, you know, something creative. Um, 
there's always something to talk about afterwards. There's mm. always a starting point to have a conversation, which is not just how's your week been or how are you doing, you know, what, what's work like. But actually, there's always something to talk about. So what did you think about that? And you've both participated in something which was spectacular in, the, in the, its kind of general sense. Um, and, and that then opens up conversation, personal conversation where you get to know one another. That's what creates the community feel where everyone feels they can take mm. part and do all the stuff that we talked yeah. about at the beginning. And that's what feeds the devising as well, isn't yeah. it, really? You, actually, the, some of the, the ideas that are thrown up at the start of the week, including in that Sunday service, all then feed into how people are thinking about yeah. the subject, whether that's a, you know, a political they're already play. They're thinking their, their stories. They're already, they've already got some images. They've got some, mm. some material, some stimulus, if you like, from that. You know, be it uh, a particular sketch or, you know, we, we heard at the beginning of this week, Jonah, which has kept repeating. Lots of people have gone, actually, that's really important. Mm. You know, hadn't, I hadn't kind of connected in with Jonah in such a way and, and that was presented in a really interesting way. Um, that, it, that it then makes that those rehearsal rooms real kind of boiler rooms of story where people open up, engage, encounter one another, um, encounter something beyond themselves, something collectively together. And once you've shared something in a spiritual sense together, then you're bound together with yeah. that, something yeah. unique that will never be repeated. Yeah, and you're ready to listen to other people's stories as well, actually. And yeah. that, I mean, that's that's such an essential thing that kind of church should be helping you to do is to help you to listen to other people and then have a confidence to share your a bit of your story or what's going on for you um yeah well we should get back i've got uh, lights to rig sound mics to level i've got a bar to go and drink in <laughs> I'm, I'm off for the evening now <laughs> <laughs> it's all right for some yeah <laughs> It's all right, you're not allowed to drink before rigging, I no, assume. No, I'm too far up. So, uh, Thank you for joining us yeah. um, for our special uh, Eskrick-based podcast. We'll be, no doubt, back to usual practice, whatever usual practice is. <laughs> I don't know, I don't think we've established that quite yet. No. But, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Songs in a Strange Land. Please send any comments or questions to songsinastrangeland at gmail.com.